This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess fucking auto, I guess. <laughs> We're a team. Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Sends Hour podcast. It's Shane, and if you haven't been aware on our Twitter uh, recently, and I mean if you haven't, I don't know what you're doing, you have to get on that, but we have officially announced Derek will be joining us full-time as a full-time host on the podcast, and I'm super excited for this. Thank you for coming on uh, full-time, Derek. It's going to, hopefully season two is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, with the NHL season hopefully starting sooner rather than later, um, so yeah, thank you for thank you for finally joining us officially. You've been on the last couple of episodes, and I've enjoyed it. So again, Derek, thank you, and I'm ex- and I mean, hey, the network's excited to have you too. Yeah, uh, thank you for that warm welcome. Um, that's uh, I you know I don't even know what to say. I'm speechless, but uh, thank you so much. I've seen the tweet come out earlier, and it's just it's been such a pleasure. Um, Joining you these last few times, um, I just enjoy talking senators, and uh, this has been a new experience for me, and one that I'm uh, certainly welcoming with open arms. So thank you very much. Yeah, I mean the the network's full of great guys, very welcoming community. Uh, you got the the tweet from Neil, who was welcoming you into to the network. Uh, I know talking to a couple of the other guys in it, they're excited to have you on and excited to see what this what we can do as as a tandem. I got some things to figure out in terms of uh, the Twitter and whatnot, but you know, for our listeners, you're going to be hearing a lot more from Derek over the next uh, year, which hopefully, hopefully is, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Hopefully you like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always important, right? <laughs> but you know, we'll start off today's episode. There's, there's actually quite a bit to talk about, but uh, Thursday, we're board of governor meetings. Uh, sounds like that's kind of where they're going to, f- finalize or start finalizing the the 2021 season i know january 1st is still the target date uh there's rumors of you know uh micro bubbles basically playing 10 days 10 12 days and going home for a week there's talk of just a canadian division i know there's talk that like uh with the canadian border and the government canadian government kind of doing the micro or the uh super quick, whatever you want to call it, testing. We could see cross-border travel. What's your opinion? What, what do you think we're, we should expect coming out of Thursday? Honestly, there's just so much speculation that it's it's hard to put a finger on what's really going to take place. Uh, but, but yeah, Thursday is tomorrow. So we're going to find out at least some details tomorrow. We are that far in the week. Um, so... Uh, we'll have some information tomorrow. I think to start out, um, a Canadian division would make the most sense just with what's going on in the world right now. Um, and I think there's it's been rumored so much that there has to be some legs to it. Um, I don't think it's just a rumor. I think it's something that we might actually see happen, um, at least for the short term. So if they're looking at a full 82-game season, um, I'm sure the hope is that somewhere along the lines uh, in the season, they could move to more of a regular schedule. Um, but certainly to start, it looks like we might see a Canadian division. Um, I've heard 72 games been 
just recently being floated out there. Um, so a few different options. Um, I, I'm just excited for hockey. <laughs> I just want to hear that hockey is coming back on January 1st. I 100% agree with that. I think we can all say that we've missed hockey and we're hoping for hockey to come back. And I think the NBA starting on, I think, December 22nd is going to play a huge part in this. Is that like how how far can you wait before you start the season? How much of a gap can you give the NBA? Because most sports fans are, you know, most hockey fans are just general sports fans. So if you can kind of get into, you know, if there's NBA hockey, NBA basketball for a month, how real, how really interested would someone who's just an average or an every sport kind of fan really be with the NHL? I know if you're more of just a hockey guy. But for me personally, like I just love sports. So having the NFL and the NCAA on has been fantastic. But, you know, with the NBA coming back in the end of December, there's going to be people who kind of just forget about the NHL a little bit. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of competition for ratings. And uh, unfortunately for the NHL, they always fall last in line there uh, when it comes to ratings, especially with the American networks uh, being much bigger. Um, and yeah, with the NBA being kind of the first ones to try to come back. I think it was smart on their part to get ahead of things. Um, and hopefully January 1st, I mean, if they if they push it back any further than that, which I think there's potential because there's so much that has to happen from now to then. And, and if we're talking about January 1st, that means training camps are going to start very, very soon. Um, it, it Hopefully the NHL can at least compete for some of these ratings because they've got to find money from someplace right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to come down to our teams willing to take a short term hit on with a long-term outcome, because realistically, especially in Canada, we're probably not going to have fans in the stands right away. And there's probably some States that you might not have fans in the stands uh, right away. And if there is, there's not going to be a lot of it. So how much are owners willing to take a hit? You know, I think, and Ottawa is going to be one of those teams that gets talked about quite a bit. That's coming from a disadvantage because, you know, there, there's a lot of talk with Melnick's money and whatnot. Would he feel comfortable uh, icing a team where he's not getting that gate revenue? I know there was talk, talk about it, that he was one of the owners in the AHL that just didn't think that starting the AHL without fans in the stands was a good idea. And I mean, it's not because the AHL is such a gate driven league. But I think there's teams like Carolina, Ottawa, Florida, Arizona, who who may look at it as like a short-term issue, but long-term, you're probably not going to get affected that much. Yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, in the long-term, things can sort themselves out. And hopefully as soon as possible, like, um, you know, I, I did hear rumblings of a vaccine potentially being uh, made available uh, early in 2021. Um, so, you know, I don't know if professional athletes will be kind of the first on board because I think doctors and, and nurses and, you know, kind of the more important medical people uh, will be the first ones to get that vaccine. But um, as soon as it's made readily available, uh, you know, hopefully sooner than later, uh, we can stop kind of talking about the hit that owners are going to take and, and the financial kind of uh, troubles that are going to come from the COVID situation and start looking forward. But um, until then, um, it is something on the plate. It is something on the forefront. And for a team like Eugene Melnick's Ottawa Senators, it's uh, definitely going to be uh, a topic for quite some time. Yeah. And I mean, 
we we all saw the video of uh, the Adidas video that was released yesterday of the reverse retro jerseys. Uh, we all know Ottawa is 92. It was kind of clear. There was chance that it was 95. Not going to lie. You know, there were, like, I was one of those people who were like, could it be 95? Because they were talking about implementing a little bit more gold. I would have been cool if they had a red and gold jersey. That would have been completely different than what we're used to as Sense fans. You know, you you mentioned the Peace Tower uh, on Twitter. Well, I mean, a lot of people have mentioned the Peace Tower that they had when they were introduced as a team. Uh, a lot of people were like, oh, this was a missed opportunity for the O logo. Personally, I think the 2D, like we've never had a 2D red jersey. You know, we had the red O logo that I think if I ask, if you ask most people was a miss with the silver O. You know, we've had a black center, like 3D logo jersey. We never had a red 2D. Personally, I'm super excited for that. And I think it's another kind of revenue that hit at the right time. And this was planned before COVID and it was just kind of like right timing. If these jerseys are nice, because obviously there's, you can never know, you know, I assume they will be because I'm assuming they'll just be a swap of what the black one is right now. But if they're nice, how much more revenue do you think these jerseys generate for teams? Especially a team like C, uh, Van, uh, Vegas or, yeah, I mean, basically, or Dallas, who have released new third jerseys as well. Yeah, so, you know, all of a sudden we're seeing new jerseys kind of everywhere. Uh, and it's something that finally the NHL is starting to catch on to because I think other leagues are way ahead uh, when it comes to releasing um, jerseys that, that just create fan appeal that uh, fans want, including the NBA. Uh, again, to go back to that, but, you know, they frequently have, I don't know how many jerseys they circulate. It's like five. Yeah. So they're kind of way ahead. um, And they've got, you know, basically a flavor for every fan, um, for every team in the NBA. Um, So for, yeah, for teams like Vegas, Dallas, um, the Senators now will have three new jerseys uh, by the time the season starts. Um, It's exciting for the fans. It's, you know, for us personally, I mean, we love the 2D logos. I think Basically, our entire fan base loves the 2D logo. I haven't seen much uh, pushback. Um, to have a red one would be cool. I kind of, I was a fan of uh, seeing them balance things out with a red O. Like, I, I really like the Heritage O, too, and I think a lot of people do as well. But um, I think you were the one that mentioned that these reverse retros are probably more of a one-off anyway. So it's just a, a one-season thing. So I, I wouldn't get too hung up on the fact that they don't have a heritage O if they don't come out with it. Uh, and it is a red 2D because uh, it could very well come next season. Yeah. And I mean, I, from what I found out of the situation, Melnick and co don't really like the old logo uh, is people make fun of it too often. It looks more like a zero than an O like it looks more oval than like an actual like O. Um, and I think they're kind of just trying to go back to the pre like the early era sense. I think they've kind of understood that like the, the O is no, is really not part of their history. It's part of Ottawa history. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's one of those things where we don't like Ottawa doesn't take credit for the original senators cups. Right. So why would we take, why would we use a logo? That's not necessarily part of our history. And I think that's kind of how they're looking at it is like, the O logo is part of Ottawa's history. And if we're going to 
represent Ottawa's history. It's a great thing. And that's kind of what they were trying to do when they introduced it, but it's not part of the, the current senator's history. At least that's how I, how I look at how they're handling everything. If they were to come up with a peace towers Jersey. Yeah. Hands down would be so cool to see. Yeah. It just, it's never even been used on the ice. It was just like a, you know, a premeditated Jersey that never even came to fruition, but uh, yeah. Back to the O thing, um, I just imagine people, you know, Eugene Melnick's peers sitting around a room and making fun of him for the zero representing the number of Stanley Cups Ottawa's won and, and Eugene Melnick being the person that he is taking great offense to that and saying, I'm never wearing this jersey again. <laughs> like, we're getting rid of it. But, I mean, uh, it's true, though, right? Like, we talk about being – Ottawa fans get so frustrated with – you know, other fans like calling us out or, or talking like, oh, you guys haven't won any cups, this, that, and the other thing. You can't really give them like, you're just kind of giving them ammo to use when you have a jersey like that. Personally, I, I think the O logo is okay as like a, like as one of those like specialty jerseys. Kind of like how Vancouver has done those or, you know, Hartford for Carolina. How Carolina's coming out with like a basically a white Hartford jersey. I think that's kind of cool. I think acknowledging your past is important, but I don't think making it a mainstay is right. a good idea uh, considering you have, like you don't have any real connections to it. Yeah. It's not really part of the brand. It's just kind of a, a, a thing again, that's going to be a hot seller and it's fun for fans and it looks cool. Definitely looks good on TV. Um, I, I love the Hartford Whaler jerseys. I think those are just one of the sickest jerseys in the league, but uh yeah, uh, same with the O. I mean, I really like personally. I like the O. I like the two D better than the low, uh, better than the O jersey. Um, so I'm not going to complain. You know, even if this red jersey is like complete trash, I'm not even going to care because we just have we we've just got released what we've been asking for for so many years. Um, so to me, it's like just you know it's icing on the cake. Yeah, and I mean uh, to bring it up like. We do have the Senators, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network is running the jersey contest. Um, you know, it's it's our pinned tweet on Twitter. So if you haven't had a chance to go retweet it, definitely do. I don't know where we're sitting in the standings, but I think there's a couple, there's a week or so left on it. Uh, and I'm also going to transition into some, a new kind of a big news for the, the podcast is we're working, we have re- um, engaged with customized sports they're based out of toronto they do all the jersey kits uh they have a bunch of nhl ones they're a fantastic fact fantastic company to do really good work uh they're iron on kits um honestly simple super simple if you have an iron at home you can do it i have a, i've done them uh if you saw the picture that i posted i have two ryan's that i did through them and they're fantastic reason why i'm bringing them up is because we are doing a contest with them and it's two kits one shabbat and one kachuk um the home jerseys for adidas you'll get the the shoulder you'll get this arm numbers the back number and the nameplate plus the a to go on the front of the test the front of the chest uh to enter you just have to there'll be a, a post tomorrow morning to just retweet it you'll have to follow myself um eric or derek and uh, the sends our podcast. If we already have it and just retweet it. Uh, it'll be entered to, to win. It'll be running until the end of the month. We'll announce a winner 
on uh, the Monday's episode at the end of the month. So the winner will be picked um, before or entries will go until December or September, November 28th at 12 p.m. And the winner will be announced on the that Monday's episode on November the 30th and we'll get in contact with you. It's a great contest. If you have a blank jersey already, this is a great thing to get into. Yeah, and if you want to save yourself some money, you don't want to spend 300 bucks on the new jerseys, you could buy a blank and uh, enter this contest and, and try to win yourself a couple of nameplates. Yeah, and uh, you know, don't worry if you don't win. There will be more chances because we will be doing this every month. There will be a new contest every month. May not be Kachuk and, and Shabbat. Might be a little bit different. So you'll, you'll have to stay tuned for that. But this is a contest that will continue every month. Uh, and there'll be more information on customized sports uh, on our on our Twitter feed. Definitely check them out. They're a great, great company, fantastic, easy to deal with. And I, I've had nothing but good things to say about them. Yeah, I've, I've never personally used them, but uh, I'm definitely going to buy myself some and, and give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, they're fantastic. Uh, you can check them out at Customized Sports on uh, their website, on eBay. Again, we'll post this stuff on our Twitter, so you'll definitely want to check it out. But... Now, moving on from that, there's some ex-senator news. Uh, Hoffman, if you know, if you've listened to the, pre, like, throughout the, the the first year, the episodes, I'm not a huge Hoffman fan. I, I've taught, Derek and I have talked about this personally. He's a poor man's Danny Heatley. I think a lot of Ottawa fans, the reason why they liked him was because he, him, Terrace, and Stone, I think a lot of people expected them to the, the, the pizza line 2.0, and it just never materialized. He's horrible defensively. He's horrible five on five. He's a good, uh, he's a good power play guy, but outside of his goal scoring, he's kind of a bottom player. Like he's not a top six forward outside of his goal scoring. As soon as that strength starts to fade off the shot that he has, he's going to be rendered basically a useless player in the NHL. Um, And I'm saying that because he scores all of his goals with that quick release and with that, you know, incredible, he, he does have an incredible release. He has an incredible wrist shot. He has an incredible one-timer um, and he can beat goalies from the outside right now. Um, he's 31 years old. Uh, teams are certainly hesitant now. And the rumors coming out are that Mike Hoffman could potentially be heading to Russia. Um, SKA St. Petersburg has made him um, what's been his best offer uh, so far th- this offseason. What do you make of that, Shane? He fits in perfectly, in my opinion. He he seems like one of those guys that would fit perfectly in Russia. Doesn't have to work very hard defensively, can just line up goals. Uh, again, he's just one of those guys that I look at as a one-way player. He's a lot like Dezingle, in my opinion, where he's kind of a one-trick pony. And when that's that, when that trick gets, you know, stopped and when you realize what that trick is and you just stop getting tricked by it, he's easy to stop. You know, people were were mad that we didn't sign Dezingle to more than $5 million. He got scratched multiple times in Carolina, was kind of useless in the playoffs. I think there's a reason for it. I think Hoffman has, he, he can score, but like you said, the minute that shot goes, he's done. He goes, yeah, he goes with it. I think, I, I think we, we basically covered it, but um, he did have, you know, he had 29 goals, 30 assists last year. I mean, those are great numbers um, in 69 games played, 
Um, he had 36 goals the year before. A lot of these goals are coming on the power play, and he is playing with Huberdeau and with Barkov, um, two really good players. You could say the same about Dadunov. Um, but uh, but Mike Hoffman scores primarily most of his points on the power play. Uh, he's a power play specialist at this point in his career. And at five on five, he just really struggles in basically every facet of the game. And he's not even really that fast anymore. I think he looks fast. He's easy on the eyes. Um, he's a flashy kind of player that looks fast. He has pretty good hands. Um, but I think at this stage in his career, um, there's a reason teams are hesitant. He, he's definitely not a coach's pet. And uh, and that's being reflected in the offseason. 100%. And I think, you know, at 31, primarily, like if he's 27, 28, 29, I think a lot of teams look past a lot of those issues. But with him being on the wrong side of 30, it's hard to ignore it. Yeah, and the problem is, I mean, if you want to compare him to someone like Galchenyuk, who has a lot of the same issues, but is a lot less proven, the fact that Mike Hoffman is coming off of two, you know, back-to-back almost 30-goal seasons, he's not going to settle for a $1 million one-year contract. He might do a Taylor Hall thing and try to go all in for one year, but I don't think teams are going to commit to him long term. Um, and I don't think they're going to commit a high dollar value to a player that they really can't use outside of the power play. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, if you're going to go after a guy like Hoffman, you may as well go after, try going after Duclair. Really? Like if you had to choose between the two, uh, Duclair is probably the more serviceable player right now. He's younger. He can he, He's shown that he can be a good penalty killer and a power play guy. So if you're going to look at, you know, if I'm going to spend $5 million on a player for a year, Duclair is probably the way to go. Absolutely. I would take a swing on Duclair versus uh, Hoffman any day of the week, really. Um, we're talking about one guy who's 24 and one guy who's 31. Um, very similar upside. Um, they're both kind of score first guys, but, uh, but Anthony Duclair, the less proven guy has a, a higher ceiling at this point in his career, just because we know what Mike Hoffman is. A hundred percent. But with that being said, you know, if, if he goes to Russia, he's probably going to dominate it. Yeah. Like he's, it's and a then he's game for him there. I mean, that's the way they play. Uh, you said SKA Moscow, right? Yeah, SKA St. Petersburg is the team that offered him, hypothetically offered him the contract. It came from uh, Simmer on Twitter. So that's the same team that has, um, they have quite a bit of players. You know, they have, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same team that, you know, uh, Kovalchuk went to when he left. uh, And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Datsuk was on. Oh right, was I think on, so. Datsuk on that team? Oh, I think he, I think he might have, but he went to another team. But like, even looking at Saint Petersburg, like they, they've been a highly competitive, you know, team, and he would slot in relatively well. Oh no doubt. I mean, if he went to Russia, he would have a lot of success. I think uh, Hoffman would fit well in Russia. Um, his teammates used to either make fun of him or make a joke about um, calling him Hoffmadoff, if you remember that, um, a few years back (laughs) that came out, uh, basically just teasing the fact that he 
just the, the style of play that he has is a lot more European than, uh, than Canadian. So just something his own teammates used to make fun of, but um, you could see where it comes from. That's the, the style that he played. I think he would be probably one of the top players out there. John, yeah, I think, but here, here's the thing I, I have an issue with is that if he, let's say, let's say he goes to, to Mont, like St. Petersburg and he joins the KHL, even though they're relatively deep into their season right now, uh, you know, what if he has a really good year and a team is like, hmm, like the, it's kind of like fool's gold, right? And I think that's kind of where, yeah. he, you know, it's not it his advantage. Yeah, it might be a smart move on his part and, and a very good financial decision too. Um, now I've heard the luxuries are not quite um, up to NHL standard in the KHL. So uh, for a player like Hoffman and maybe for what this wouldn't be a, this wouldn't be a sun's hour podcast without stream yard kind of messing up. So we're going to take this time. Like Mike Hoffman. <laughs> we'll head to break real quick. Uh, when we sort this out, uh, here's a quick word from the fourth line podcast. Um, we'll be right back. Some enforcer based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what, what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colt Moore. That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice Podcast wherever you find your podcast, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. Yeah, he would uh, be at the bar and he's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would like give a double take and be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I. it's not bad. You know, it's. Enforcer based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from. All right, we are back. I think we got everything settled real quick. <laughs> like I said, yeah, sends our podcast with Streamyard. Something going wrong on it. Um, but yeah, you were saying before uh, before the break was with Hoffman being uh, kind of more fool's gold if he goes to Russia and has a good year. Yeah, I was kind of talking about uh, you know just the KHL not being quite up to the NHL's standard in terms of luxury. And uh, maybe some of the um, effect that that might have on Mike Hoffman's girlfriend, <laughs> Monica. And, uh, you know, perhaps she wouldn't be the most uh, satisfied going out to Russia. Um, I'm not too sure, but maybe she could uh, make some friends with Mike Hoffman's uh, teammates' wives. Yeah, for once. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe they'll fit in better out there. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, they, he, they, I mean, he seems like a prototypical Russian player, so hopefully. But, you know, moving on, we, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it until he signs. You know, Cole Perfetti just signed with Winnipeg, and it's still up in the air. There's still a great debate about it. Timmy Stutzel signing with Ottawa. You know, there's rumors that he should be uh, released and that it could be coming in the next couple of weeks, kind of when they have a, a bigger picture of when the NHL is starting. And that kind of seems to be the holdout. Uh, Cause Dell, uh, they don't, or Alder doesn't want him to be released, signed, and then loaned somewhere else. Uh, if the season were to start, 
Uh, so, you know, do you think it's going to be done? Do you think it's going to get done? Yeah. So um, I was pretty unsure about it, but uh, I've talked to some people recently um, and some people pretty close to the situation believe that it is going to be sorted out um, and he is going to come to Ottawa and he is going to be on the Senators uh, this season, uh, according to a few people I've talked to. So um, it's still a, a wait and see thing. Um, Mannheim still has the power when it comes to um, the decision making. Um, and I think the holdout is, like you said, the NHL's uncertainty right now, um, as well as Stutzla's um, injury that he has right now. Uh, Mannheim may, in fact, get a few games of Tim Stutzla before um, he does get released from the contract. So I, I think their hope is that he'll come back at some point to be with them prior to making the NHL. But um, but with the way the timelines are, it, it's not likely. If he's going to be a senator, he's going to be um, basically as soon as his injury is healed, he's going to be in Ottawa at uh, training camp. 100%. And I mean, even if his injury isn't healed completely, if, if let's say come out tomorrow, the, the information comes out, there will be, we will start January 1st. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out the schedule. We'll have that by December 1st. But that means Ottawa players uh, have to be in Ottawa no later than November 20th with camp opening up December 4th, for example. Uh, if that's the case, where like Timmy Stitzel will be coming to Ottawa, should come to Ottawa at that time. And because it's a wrist injury, he could play. And I mean, I don't know how well how well that's healed so far. Maybe he's already like maybe he already has a stick in his hand. I haven't seen anything to say otherwise. But you know, if he's there, if he's on the team, I'm happy about it. I think it's great. The bigger question, if that's the case, is World Juniors. Yes. Yeah. I I was hoping you were going to go there. Um, here's my, my opinion is that Ottawa will not risk sending Tim Stutzla to the world juniors as much as we want to see him, uh, be, become the captain for Germany. I think it just has a lot to do with a, the contract being so hard to sort out and b the, the arm injury or wrist injury or whatever it is, um, just not quite, um, being healed as of yet. And, and it will be in time for the world juniors. I, I understand that. Um, but I don't think they want to take any risk, um, if they want him to be a Senator this year. And, and from every discussion I've had, they do want him to be in Ottawa this year. So to me, I think that makes the world juniors, uh, pretty doubtful for Stutzla, but, uh, what's, what's your take on that Shane? Personally, like, I would love to see him just stay in stay in Germany for the year. I, 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 this is my opinion on it: is stay stay in Germany for a year, let that contract slide, whatever the case may be. Allow him, give us a full year of Stutzel. Give me give me a full year of him. I don't want this abbreviated, se- short, se- condensed season, however you want to call it. Whatever happens, give me a full like eighty two game season as a nineteen year old kid. Not as an 18 year old. There's, there's nothing wrong with allowing him to stay in Germany one year, allowing him to go to the World Juniors and being the captain of Germany. Like, especially if you don't see yourself, uh, you know, if you don't see yourself being competitive really, or like in a playoff spot, why burn a year 
of this guy's contract if you don't have to. We saw it with Lassie Thompson where, you know, they sent him over to, to Liga and he, he went to Finland, captain Finland. I can see a similar situation with Timmy Stutzel. Yeah, and uh, it's a good point. Like the two, uh, two first, first and second overall from a year previous, that would be um, Capo Caco and uh, Jack Hughes. Um, both made their respective NHL teams, uh, one being the Rangers, one being Jersey. Um, and they both um, just lacked the kind of impact that I think most would hope out of a first and second overall pick in their first seasons in the NHL. Um, could it hurt them developmentally down the road? Um, there's potential. I think they're both really skilled and good players, and I think they'll find their way out of that. But uh, but it's an interesting point because not every first, second, or third overall pick needs to make the jump right away to the NHL. Um, however, my opinion on Stitzla the whole time was that he was one of the most NHL-ready prospects available outside of Alexi Lafreniere. Um, so... I'm kind of on the fence about it. I do want to see a nine-game trial. Um, but if it doesn't work out, I certainly am not opposed to see him go back to Germany. Uh, and that will be potentially an option. But I, I'd also like to see him go to uh, Belleville for a season. I mean, realistically, we could send him to Belleville because he's a European prospect. Uh, because he is from Belleville, or he's from uh, Germany, he could go to Belleville and uh, get that sliding contract anyways. So you could bring him over here and then send him to Belleville if it's not working out, depending on what happens with the AHL. And it, it's really one of those hard things right now is that because you don't know the, you know there's uncertainty in the AHL, there's uncertainty in Dell with what's going on with him, with those two leagues. It's going to be hard and it's going to be an interesting decision, but I think him not being in Ottawa might not be the worst thing. Yeah, it's not it's not certainly reflective of, you know, oh, what a bust, you know, <laughs> what were they thinking at third overall with taking Stutzla? No, he was uh, definitely the consensus guy to take in that spot. So there's no, you know, bust, even if he doesn't make the Ottawa Senators or he's not ready to make that transition. Uh, it's a big jump. I think if you're going from the Canadian Hockey League to the NHL, it's a massive jump. He was playing with men in the Dell, but um, he was not playing with, uh, you know, NHL players. And he was on on a much bigger ice surface, which does kind of placate to the game style that he plays. It gives him a lot more uh, freedom. Um, but uh, Timmy Stutzla, I don't know. I see him as a player that just wants it more than anyone else. And it's just me probably over over reading into uh, even his personality and just the things, the little intricacies that he does on the ice that uh, make me think that this is going to be a player that just has an impact right away. Uh, 100%. I think if you look at last year's class, none of them hit more than like 25 points. They were all at like 23 points. Um, I think, yeah, Doc and, and Kako were at 23, and Jack Hughes was at 21. You have to and like even the 2018 class. If you look at the the 2018 rookie class in their rookie season, wasn't that great? The you know Quinn Hughes, uh, and that he didn't even this was his rookie year. But if you look at the the 2018 draft class, you know Kachuk and Darlene were up there. 
uh, at 45 points for Kachuk, 44 points for Darlene. Shefnikov was at 37. Kakaniemi was at 34. That's that's really good. And I mean, if you don't if you don't think Timmy Stitzel is going to be up in that 30 like 30 high 30s to low mid 40s, I don't see why you why you bring him in. I don't see why you keep him in Ottawa. No, and and that's something that I'm not going to disagree with. I think um, we need to kind of move on from the notion that, like I said, just because you're a first, second, or third, or even fourth, fifth overall pick means that you must be an NHL player immediately. I think it has to be, um, the decision has to be made individually, um, and it has to be made at whatever developmental level the kid that you took is at. Um, and I think, you know, if Timmy Stitzla comes in and he's not looking like he's going to achieve 30 points, um, you send him down. I mean, I wouldn't even hesitate. You have to send him down. I would expect, you know, I'm expecting a good rookie season out of Timmy Stitzla, whether it's this season or next season. And I would, I would want him to have over 40 points to be a true impact player in the NHL. A hundred percent. And I mean, I think there, there's a, the, the difference between, you know, Hughes, especially in New Jersey. That, and I mean, as someone who's covered New Jersey last year, part of the network having to do the New Jersey broadcast, I saw a lot more of Hughes and the team around him wasn't that good. And, you know, if you, if Timmy Stutz were to come in, and I think Branstrom, perfect example uh, is Branstrom. Branstrom came in last year. You can make an argument that he didn't deserve it, but we needed a puck moving defenseman when Landon was hurt. But the, the talent around him, same with Shabbat, wasn't that good. Like last year's team, the finishing talent wasn't that good. This year, it's a lot better. You know, you look at that right side, even just adding Dadunov makes a huge difference. And you add in a guy like Galchenyuk who can score. He can pot you 20 goals or more in a season. Um, if you have a healthy Anisimov for a full year, Stutzel's in a lot better situation than... Hughes was and Kako wasn't really uh, talking to a lot of guys from New York. They don't think Kako was well, was given a proper chance to really show that he can play in the NHL. Like he was kind of in that mid, like the bottom six, third line role for a little bit. Uh, and he, he kind of, he played re- And I think same thing with Kakaniemi. He got mm-hmm. sent down to the AHL. He came up, he drained the play-ins and he had a really good play-in. He did. He was doing all the things they asked him to do. Like he was actually going to the net and, you know, battling in front, scoring goals in, in a variety of ways. Um, I think what you said, I mean, these are, are players that um, are kind of in that developmental stage of they're too good for the league below them, but are they quite good enough yet for, uh, you know, the players you want them to be in the NHL? Um, and it, it may not be the case, but uh you know, the, the last thing you want to do is hurt the development of a player like Tim Stutzla. So if he's not ready, if he's showing signs that he's not ready, even right away in preseason, um, don't hesitate to send him either back to Germany or send him down to Belleville. And I think with, with DJ Smith specifically, and I think you can look at Nick Paul as a prime example, he'll tell you exactly what you need to work on. And I think we saw it with Logan Brown throughout the year where if you talk to, you know, man and whatnot, like they were impressed with his improvements. And I think that's kind of where coming to Ottawa suits Timmy Stutzel is that he's going to be told exactly what he needs to work on. You're going to have Trent Mann, Sean Donovan, Jesse Winchester, Clark MacArthur, their development staff there with them. And I mean, him being Belleville, he's a two hour drive down the highway. 
not necessarily a bad thing. You're going to get that. Oh, you need to work on puck battles. You need to work in your uh, off puck play. You're going to be told exactly what you need to work on. Your co- The coaches are going to know exactly what you need to work on and they will work on it with you. And they'll give you that ability to improve those skills. And I think no matter what happens with Timmy Stizzle, if he's in Ottawa, if he's in Belleville, I don't want him in Germany. I think if we can avoid Germany, I think that'd be ideal because you want to be able to work with him hands-on. You want to be able to call him up. If he's playing, if he's killing it in Belleville, you want him, you want to be able to call him up. Yeah. Give him a little taste. Uh, And I think that's kind of where we kind of messed up with Thompson is I think if we could, we should have sent him to Belleville, but I think from that, they let him kind of decide where he wanted to go. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting. I think Timmy Stutzel, if he is in Ottawa for training camp, he'll get the nine games and then they'll go from there. Yeah, exactly. If he's an impact player within those nine games, then he stays. If he can't um, be an impact player uh, and just isn't ready yet, then he either goes down to Belleville or he goes back to Germany. And I think exactly what you said. I think they would probably prefer to keep him, especially in his case where um, they want to get him acclimated to the smaller ice surface, to the more physical style of play. And, and the AHL is certainly a physical um, league. So it would be a, a good fit for Timmy Stutzla. The other thing uh, within that that, uh, that you mentioned is, you know, they've just gotten so much better at giving players specific instructions on what they need to work on. Um, and I think with Tim Stutzla, in recent interviews, he'll tell you exactly what he's been working on. And it's exactly what the most critics will tell you he needs to work on, which is um, his shot, A, that, you know, he wants a better, stronger shot. Um, and I think his shot is a little bit underrated just because he didn't finish um, on as many chances as he could have in the DEL. But uh, he'll tell you that in his strength. And I think those are the two things that he's probably improved the most over the offseason. So we could potentially be looking at a different Tim Stutzla than the one that we've seen in the DEL anyway uh, come training camp. And he might show everyone that he's just, you know, way ahead of, of where they think he is. A hundred percent. And this is, this is the problem, right? We, we haven't seen him play. We've seen, I mean, we haven't seen Lafreniere Byfield play, but you know, there's a couple of other guys who've been playing and you kind of have a look and like, Oh, okay. Like they're, especially for sense fans, you, you've seen your venti, like you've seen some of these guys that we've drafted and you're like, okay, this is sick. Like they, these guys are have really high upside, but then you have a guy like Timmy Stutzel, Jake Sanderson, Sokoroff, that are kind of just practicing right now. And you're like, okay, well, we want to see what you guys can do, what you guys are made out of. And you're just like, all right, like we can talk about what you did last season, but is that going to translate to this year? And it's going to be, it's going to be real interesting. It definitely is. Um, It's, it's going to be one of the most fascinating training camps in, I don't know. I want to say ever, but certainly in recent memory, I think there's a couple of spots, up for grabs and there's just a whole slew of players that are going to be competing for those spots. Um, and it's going to be one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team in the NHL uh, next year with whoever fills those spots. But it, it's going to be, to me, that's going to be the most intriguing storyline. It's, it's all in training camp. Yeah. And I mean, I think if you look at who we have playing overseas, mainly Rudolph Balser's and Vitaly Abramov as the two big forwards. Um, 
you know, though I would not be shocked if Abramov takes a spot from Batherson because of it. There, there, and and that's no disrespect to Batherson. It's just more of he's been playing. Yeah, and he's got his reps in. You have to be ready for a battle. Like you've got to be ready to play. Like I think that's kind of where some of these guys are going to have issues. And why that extra week might be beneficial for some of these teams that have didn't have the play in. But I think if you're Balsers or if you're Batherson or Logan Brown or Josh Norris, uh, and you're especially if you're you're Drake Batherson, you're not guaranteed anything. So you have a chance you go into camp, you're looking at a guy like a Bromoff, Schlappick, Balsers who have been playing for a little while. They have game, they have games under their belt this season. They're coming in here with that momentum, and you have to look at them and be like, okay, this is my competition. I need to dust everything off quicker to get to their level because they're already, you know, strides ahead right now. Because you can only practice so much. You can only free skate and whatnot so much before it really becomes a – there's no real advantage to it. It doesn't help you as much as you want. Like, there's nothing compares to a a real practice or a real game. And I don't know if uh, (laughs) – Uh, if um, if they've been practicing uh, with Kate Brighton or not, I don't think they're able to. So it's going to be real interesting. Yeah, no question. And uh, yeah, there's uh, someone. Oh, wrong shoulder. Someone over there that just made a brief appearance here. But uh, yeah, that's live. <laughs> that's live for you. But uh, yeah, uh, Drake Batherson has to come ready. I don't think uh, he necessarily did that last year, um, and he. I, I, I think they gave him the spot out of camp, but he only lasted like one or two games and then he was sent down. Um, So he's going to have to come prepared. And like you said, these guys that are getting reps that are actual games um, have done much better to prepare themselves for this training camp. Um, I did hear today that Abramov might be injured. Um, Of course. Yeah, of course, right? So another injury there, but I'm not sure if it's a significant injury or uh, or just something minor. So uh, we'll have to wait to see what comes of that. I mean, I'm hoping it's something minor for his sake. Yeah, and just for the sake of that healthy competition in training camp. You love to see, you know, you don't want to see guys being handed roles because they have to compete for them. There, there's no other way. I mean, if you're not being pushed um, and prodded at for your role on the team, then you just kind of get stagnant. So um, I would love to see Abramov. I would love to see Balters, all of these players, uh, Formanton come in. And Formanton's a guy that I really think is going to surprise people. I, I think Formanton is going to come to camp and he is going to give Tim Stutzla a run if uh, if that's the competition there for, for a role on the team. Um, his, his speed and skill... Um, it, it's going to surprise a lot of people. He did it like two years ago. I think he made the team. Um, and, and Formanton is just a player that he's going to bring it. I know he's going to bring it. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah. I'm going I'm to comment on this. Uh, we know that Frankie, we know he'd be an overager. He is 20, but it's the fact that he's him and Batherson are both still in Cape Breton uh, and they're practicing together. So I wasn't sure if they'd be able to actually practice with Cape Breton kind of like how you see some players kind of just go back to school. Like Christian Willanen uh, is at UND right now, and there's I believe that he's been skating with UND. Um, if that, I mean, if they if they were able to do that, that's great for him. If not, I mean, that's unfortunate. But I do like the Formentin, uh 
the Formington proje- projection. I do like him. I think he's a better version of Duclair. And it, he was utilized the same way as Duclair was in Belleville. He was on the penalty kill. He was on the power play. He was getting top six minutes. So personally, like that was when when Duclair was when we found out Duclair wasn't coming back. I was like, okay, we have Formington. Formington, you know, I've watched him in Belleville a couple of times. I think he'll he'll slot in great in a top nine role. It's going to be interesting, I think. And you you did mention how Batherson got the first two games. Uh, he didn't even have the like, and that's only it's the same thing with Branstrom. Like him and Branstrom got their positions because of injuries. I 100% believe that if Balsers didn't get hurt at the end of camp, he would have slotted into that top six right wing wall instead of Batherson because apparently he had the best camp out of any Belleville player. And then the nice thing is this year, it's not, you know, the situation last year where they kind of gave Batherson a role and gave Branstrom a role because they didn't have anyone else to play those roles where this year it's like, no, there's real competition here. Um, I think last year, that's when they went out and got like the Mestikov and they, they went and made a move for a veteran guy. Um, whereas this year they don't have to do that. They have so many players, um, that could, you know, play in prominent roles on the team. Um, they don't have to go out and and get another veteran player. They've got guys there that can, can push people out of their positions. So, um, I'm hoping for a huge year from Batherson. I think he's proved all he has to prove in the American hockey league. He's got to make the jump. He's got to show that he could provide some of that at the NHL level. And I really liked um, the way he finished his year last year. I thought he definitely looked like a much more confident player his second time around in Ottawa last year um, and started to get that shot back and, and just started to use his frame a lot more effectively. And he was a lot more involved. He was just overall more involved. Yeah. And you're talking about confidence. I remember the, the, there's one play from last season that he that he did that has stuck in my brain. And every time I see it, it pisses me off. It was against the New York Rangers. Uh, I think it was the second game of the season. I was sitting behind uh, home, uh, home side, and it was the second period. Um, and it was... He was coming in on a two-on-one. He beat the defender clean. It was him and, and Anisimov, and they took away the shot, and he still passed it. And it was that play right there where I was like, he does not trust himself. He does not feel confident in his ability. Because if he shot it, he would have scored. Right. Um, he he was a teammate pleaser, like just trying to, you know, here, I'll pass it to you in a yeah, two-on-one. He didn't feel confident in his shot, and it was from that play that I was like, he needs to go down. It, that that singular play, I was like, he needs to go down because he does not feel confident, and it was just it was rough because it was like if he shot it, he most likely scored because I believe it was uh, Lundqvist in net and he was cheating pass side. Yeah, that's that's a perfect example of like you said, a player just, that's just not ready um, as of yet. It, it's it's that just in the puck in an in a situation like that where you're wide open and you're still trying to thread the needle to you know pass it to the guy where the the lane is completely taken away and you have a chance to score i mean that was uh yeah that was batherson's camp in a nutshell um right there in that one play from last year it was uh it was frustrating to watch it was ugly to watch um i was upset that he even made the team out of camp because i just thought it was a lackluster 
um, performance from him overall in camp. But uh, but I was really kind of relieved that when he came back the second time around, we'd seen more of the the Bathurst than that we'd seen the year previous when when he was in Ottawa. So, hundred percent. And I remember that people were so mad, they were so pissed off that Logan Brown. Because apparently it came down between Logan Brown and, and Drake Batherson. And I remember when it was announced that Drake Batherson would be would have made the team and Logan Brown was sent down. I remember how pissed off people were. And uh then it just happened that Batherson was sent down and people were even pissed more pissed off. And that's when you heard about the oh the the agent stepping in and whatnot. Personally, I think this year's gonna be exciting. Uh, but you know, we're, we're running out of time. We kind of, we were pushing the hour mark. Uh, so, you know, we're going to end it as we always do with the sends our over under and you picked this week's over under you picked today's over under. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, let you introduce it for sure. So, um, let's introduce Thomas Shabbat over under, um, and I wanted to focus on points. So I'm going to go at 35 and a half points for Thomas Shabbat this coming season in a full 82 game season. Um, tell me what you got, Shane. Oh, I'm taking, I'm taking the over easily. I think this is something that unless barring injury, uh, this should be easily an over for a guy who should be, should be playing probably close to 25 minutes a night, top power play minutes a night. And I think he only had like, he had, he had 39 points last year. So I think, you know, he had 25 in his first full season in Ottawa, then 55 the previous year in the 1819, and then he went down to 35, 39. So even as bad as Ottawa was, he still did not have career lows. I think 35 and a half is a little bit disrespectful to Shabbat. I think he should yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely I think he hits 60 points in a full if it was a full 82 game season, I think the top three point getters on the team would all be 60 plus points. There you go. I'll, I'll explain myself where the, where the 35 and a half came from. Cause I think you're right. It is disrespectful to Shabbat, but uh, I meant no disrespect to Shabbat. And I meant all the disrespect in the world to the right side of the D. Um, I just, I don't know who Shabbat is going to play with. That's going to help him uh, kind of get over the hump. Cause if it's Nikita Zaitsev again, um, I'm really worried about what their production will be. However, 35 and a half is a little bit shy of um, what I expect him to produce. Um, what I'm hoping for is that we see an elevated Thomas Shabbat in terms of his two-way abilities. So I'm hoping that we see a guy who kind of focuses more on his overall game and we know what he could bring offensively. So I'm going to take the over as well because I think it's a pretty safe over to take um, at 35 and a half. However, I don't I don't see him finishing with more than 40 points um, this season, but I really want him to focus on that defensive game and round out his game and then the following season is where he could take a big step up to that 60 point, you know, being in the contention for the Norris Trophy kind of range. Okay, if you're saying that I can, if it's a 40, let's say he hit like 40, 39 and a half points, like let's say he hits 39 points, but he's a top five analytically, if he's a top 10 defenseman defensively, I honestly, I'd be okay with that because my biggest knock on Shabbat has his has been his lackluster defensive ability. He turns the puck over. He's been a little, he's a little bit soft in the corners. So you know what? That's an okay trade-off. But I think he hits 40 assists alone with like 20, like half of them being primary assists. Yeah, and I think it is a safe bet to go over, especially with the new look on the power play. I think that 
has potential to give him quite a few more points, um, you know, depending on who he's playing with. Uh, but that power play could be outrageously good um, compared to last year. They're gonna pass. They're gonna set up shop in the slot, like in the corners or in the faceoff dots with Shabbat in the middle of the ice. He's gonna pass it over to Dinoff. Dinoff's gonna let it rip. Shabbat's gonna get the rebound. So yeah, there you go. You got an assist right there. I think he should. He's not gonna average a point a game. No way in hell, but I would not be surprised if he is a top five. Like, he'll be top ten in, in scoring, I think, for a defenseman. I understand the the right side question marks, but I think if you pair him with good Branson, Zub, Brown, hell, maybe even Thompson comes over and just wins the spot for somehow, some way. Who knows? I think Shabbat's in for a bounce back year, just like everyone. I think. He hits career highs. Kachuk hits a career high. Colin White hits career high. Those three guys, I'm expecting to have a really, really strong year with the extended layoff. You get health, you work on your game. I would expect those three guys to have a really solid year. And I would be very disappointed if all of them, you know, didn't surpass last year's totals. Yeah, last year was a down year offensively. There's no question about that. They'll be better offensively this year. Um, I'm glad you touched on Colin White. I think we should do an over-under on Colin White next segment uh, on the next episode because I think that one's all over the place. Like, you know, last year was horrible. The year previous was great. He he was playing with Mark Stone. So that one will be really interesting. Um, Hopefully we can do that next time. Oh, 100%. I think that would be perfect because you look at at how he he finished the year. He had like, I think he had 13 points in the final two and a half months of the year fantastic finish. He was healthy. He was kind of bouncing between injuries in the first half of the year. I think, yeah, you know what? Uh, for Monday's episode, we are going to have a uh, Colin White will be our over under victim uh, <laughs> on, uh, on our Monday episode. But you know, this, uh, this wraps up our Thursday edition of the sends hour podcast. The first one is Derek is officially part of our group here on the hockey podcast network. And for that, you know, you can follow him at uh, D Lee 75, follow myself, Shane underscore Ryan 97 and the podcast at sense underscore hour on Twitter and on Instagram. And remember to follow the network at uh, hockey pod net on Twitter. And, you know, we got all 31 teams plus more, and we got a lot more coming in store for you. And remember to check out the contest um, for the Jersey plus the, uh, Jersey kit contest powered by customized sports. I'm super excited for what the, the season two will be holding for us. And you guys should be too. New, new, fresh look for the Sens. Uh, we got a new host here at Sens hour, new look for the Sens hour. It's all, all new, fresh faces, all new, fresh looks coming in from the, for, for Ottawa heading into the new, the new seasons. Absolutely. And, and what a pleasure to, to, uh, to join you guys. Uh, it's been so fun, um, and hockey is just around the corner. Finally, we're going to be talking about uh, real games and training camp very soon, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Thanks, Shane. Hey, yes, I think we all are. We're, once the schedule's released, we're going to have a full breakdown of the Sun schedule once that's released. We'll find out more on Thursday, so tomorrow we'll find out more. So we'll have a lot to talk about on Monday's episode. So stay tuned for a new episode on Monday. Thank you guys for tuning in. Stay safe out there, and we'll catch you later.